So we have already recorded our fantastic episode three for the Hungry GP, but you know what? Silly season is silly seasoning, and we have some things to talk about. Once you're done with this little section, you will hear our regular schmegular podcast. Um, but because of silly season, just in full bloom, um, there are a couple breaking news items that we want to bring to you today. The first one being the second that the second that break started, George and Pierre are off playing a uh, doing magic tricks. Hello. So. I am really curious about the logistics of this party. Like, who was there? Why were George and Fear hanging out? But I really thought for a second that George Russell was, like, a magician. Because <laughs> I, saw, I saw the pictures on Twitter. But you know what? I, after some reflection, believe that it was a little bit of misinformation. I do not think that George Russell... Uh, is magician I think that um, he 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 was participating in a magic trick I think they had a magician there oh my gosh is this at the party um last night I texted you last night at literally like 11 p.m I texted you just a random thought how did George and Carmen meet is this how he won her over by doing magic By doing tricks, lame ass magic tricks. Yes, it was amazing. And then the, this now infamous video of George and Pierre, almost like looking like they're about to go in for a, a little smooch, comes out. I forget the hand clench scene from Pride and Prejudice. This is <laughs> oh my god! This is cinema. This is cinema. The way he like wraps his arm around him, I was like, oh, these boys—they're intimate. They're friends. They they get it. You know, it was good. It was so good. That video is amazing. I can't stop thinking about it. it Love it. It's so good. It's been circulating. Um, and also, how do people find these videos? I want to know how people find these videos on like other people's stories. Yeah, like these randos, like Instagram stories, or I—I I don't even know who posted that. It's, but, it's honestly yes. amazing. The hand on neck action, loved, absolutely loved. Ugh. I feel like I'm actually kind of becoming a George Russell stan. Are you? I mean, hey, you were gunning for him getting that first place position. Something about that man is just so funny to me. Like, I love to see it. He will forever remind me of Handsome Squidward, and you cannot convince me otherwise. It's like copy and paste. It is copy and paste. Okay, so that is point number one of our breaking news agenda. Second point, and a lot more of a spicier point, Fernando Alonso leaving Alpine for Aston Martin. Excuse me? I think that was such a shock. I woke up yesterday, and like my phone was blowing up, and I was like, what is going on? It's early, like 7 a.m., and we have such a shocking move for Fernando Alonso in his third prime, who is outshowing every other midfield driver except for Lando Norris, moving to the second lowest, second slowest team uh, this year's grid. What's happening there? Um, I honestly think you hit the nail on the head when you said either Aston Martin told Alonso that they were going to put all of their money into building him a championship car or that they're giving him the biggest sack of money he has ever seen in his entire life. It's one or the other. 
No, honestly, because I really, his, like, message, his statement after was, like, oh, you know, I'm really looking to be back up there again, you know, I'm looking, I'm still looking for those wins. Um, sir, excuse me? In an Aston Martin. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Ooh, you don't think it's a good move? No, I don't think it's a good move. Are you kidding me? The Alpine has been on fire this season. On a scale of zero to Danny Rick leaving Red Bull. <laughs> Where does this land? <laughs> Why do you gotta call him out like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny Rick fans. I fear that you might not enjoy the rest of the segment. I'm apologizing in advance. For what it's worth, Danny Rick was and is still our gateway drug into Formula One. So he will forever hold a very special place in our hearts. Um, but on your aforementioned scale, I am definitely going to give it a, like, a six. Okay. As in, I don't think it's as bad as Danny Rick, because let's be honest, I mean, that Red Bull first, like, obviously, it's still a super iconic car. And I feel like Danny Rick could have almost gone down, like, the Botas um, kind of journey if he stayed. Um, but he was definitely looking out for himself, so there's that. But um, I don't think it's as bad as losing, like, a first-place car. Um, but I don't think it's good either. I just believe that he knows something we don't. Definitely. And we're, we're going to see what that is uh, next year. I mean, clearly he knows something we don't. Because, I mean, not even Utmar knew that Alonzo was going to be leaving Aston Martin until the announcement, which I think is absolutely insane. He literally said two week notice professionalism out the window. This isn't the first time we have heard of something like this happening. The same thing happened with Reynolds when Danny decided to leave. Alonzo's out here on vacation. He's thriving, moisturized, unbothered, and he does not give a fuck, so... Those photos you sent he sent us from his Instagram story are absolutely amazing. Not a care in the world. Honestly, good for him. What a legend. Regardless of whatever is causing this move, whether it's a giant sack of money or a promise of an amazing car next season, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Yeah. I totally thought, wow, silly season is kind of ramping up. And then today happened. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, we were not ready. I was not ready. And you know what? I don't think Alpine was ready either. Okay, so next topic, obviously, is Oscar Piastri and the now infamous Alpine scandal. It was so funny. Yes. Just last night, we were talking to some of our mutuals on Twitter about how Oscar Piastri, wouldn't it be great if Alpine finally signed him, if we finally got him in the Formula One seat? And then it happened for all of like two minutes. But we were we were expecting Alpine or we were thinking McLaren? Well, we, were, we just wanted him signed, right? Any seat. Any seat. Right? And then it happened. And we all said, yay. Congrats, Oscar. And then he said... Hold on a second. <laughs> he said, let me get this straight. I did not sign a contract for, As for, no, for Alpine in 2023. That is literally insane. I don't understand who let this blunder happen. And honestly, for, um, for Oscar, Oscar to like come out and say it, 
it's pretty ballsy. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because not only did he say, I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023, his next sentence in this tweet, I will not be driving for Alpine next year, period, send tweet. That man is not driving for Alpine next year. That's what he said. It's literally not happening. And oh my God, oh my God. That, it just begs the question, like who, who, well, who, who's he driving for then? Because we know Oscar Piastri, F2 2021 world champion, Alpine reserve driver for 2022. This man is going to be an F1 next year. We know that. Oh, but where? Oh, absolutely. I'm not even going to lie. Whenever the announcement came out that he was signed for Alpine, I took the biggest sigh of relief because that meant Danny was keeping his seat in the McLaren. Period. End of story. But now... I am once again crying, screaming, throwing up. No, but I know exactly what happened. Oscar Piastri is Alpine's reserve driver for this year. He signed a contract for Alpine for 2022. And maybe, just maybe, there's a clause saying that if one of the drivers of Alpine this year leaves, then Oscar Piastri gets the seat. But maybe Oscar doesn't want the seat. Have you thought about that, Alpine? Clearly they don't. Clearly they didn't. I love and lawyer Michelle. I love this deep dive into the legality that is Formula One. Show us the contract. We want to see the contract. I, I grew up watching Daredevil all two seasons of it. Not Daredevil. And then it got canceled. And then got, I got really sad. And then I didn't watch season three until last year. And then... It was so amazing, everyone. Go watch Daredevil. I'm so hyped that it is coming back. I'm a little bit scared. It's not going to be as good. Wait, it's but coming go back? Watch it. It's so good. Yes. They're, On Netflix? They announced like a new Disney Plus series. Oh. And it's going to have Charlie Cox. It's <gasps> going to have um, D'Onofrio. Like, and I'm so pumped. Wait, I had no idea. Daredevil was like my gateway drug into Marvel. I'm so happy that you said that. It is literally like one of the best shows I've ever watched. And I want, I'm very serious when I say this. I watch so much TV. I, you know, I still think about that um, stairwell fight scene like regularly. Absolutely. It is so good. It is iconic. Yeah. It was just like beautifully orchestrated. Okay. Sorry. Back to, <laughs> anyway, back to the matter at hand. Back to your scheduled programming. Um, your scheduled impromptu programming. Yeah. That's my theory. Completely agree with you. It That literally has to be the only way. But that again begs to differ. Who is he racing with? What seat is he going to be in? Because I do remember it like slipping somewhere that said that he was going to be in Formula One next season. With what team that was yet to be like announced. Yeah. I think what just like makes me so confident that this is like the situation is the Alpine response after Oscar's tweet. I guess an Alpine spokesperson said, we believe we are legally correct in our statement, but don't have anything further to say. Oh. The fact that they use the words legally correct, oh. it's definitely like a clause in a contract somewhere. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. They're holding him hostage. <laughs> Not a hostage situation for Oscar. Okay, well, I mean, we're going to see him next season. We know that for a fact. Um, well, not, I guess maybe we'll, we'll probably see him next season, but in what seat that's still up in the air. Additionally, we still have several other drivers, <laughs> the future of them also up in the air. We don't know about Mick. We don't know about both Williams. Yuki, right? Yeah. Yuki, both Williams, Mick, 
obviously the second Alpine seat, the second Alfa Romeo driver. The driver lineup for 2023 for Alpine is actually Esteban and Ocon. Those are your two drivers. I feel like the major question everyone is having right now is whether one Australian will replace another in Formula One. Is Oscar Piastri going to take Denny Rick's seat in McLaren? Greta, what are your thoughts? I don't think so. You Why think can't so? we have Por qué no los dos? Why can't we have both? <laughs> if it's like fuck Mary Kill, it's like Kill Lando. Is that the situation? Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay, I, I'm coming out. I am coming out as not a fan of Lando Norris. You're I speaking your because, truth. I'm speaking my truth. I think it's just because he is so young. Here, I'm going to actually Google his age right now. He's 22 years old. I think that's why. I think it's because he's so young. I absolutely cannot relate to him or his sense of humor. Um, hey. So that might be why I'm not a fan. <laughs> we were born in the same year. I'm pretty sure I'm like the same exact age as Enda. Stop. I'm going to cry. <laughs> How does you're that so make much you feel, Greta? Sure than him. You're so much more mature than him. It doesn't count. Wait. Lando was born in 19... 19- oh my god. <gasps> He's the same age as you and my brother. Goodbye. <laughs> you guys are getting um, a little bleep into the lore that is Race Week recap. The lore indeed. How old do you think Oscar Piastri is? I don't know. What is he like? Freaking 21? Like barely yeah. 21? Nine- He's 21. He He's was born on April 6, 2001. A baby. I know. An ab- oh my god, an absolute child. No. It's just the no. fact that his birth year starts with a two. I can't. I mean, but it's it'll be good to have fresh blood in. But yes, okay, so if it was up to me, it would... I, I'm okay. I, I, I am more than happy for there to be two Australians on the track. I'm not... No complaints here. But do you think that Danny Rick is getting kicked out of McLaren? No. I don't think okay. so. I think... I th- think when danny leaves it's going to be on his regard okay famous last words <laughs> no no i think oscar piastri is driving for mclaren next year you do yeah, i do no this one is not as <laughs> this one is not on as incredibly sound knowledge <laughs> as my other theory but yeah it's you just have a feeling no no i will literally riot me and all the other ricardo stands are going to grab our pitchforks and go to those mclaren offices and demand justice justice for danny eric yeah are you kidding me no no they put him in a shit car and they're gonna kick him out goodbye no, I refuse. I refuse to accept it. But I mean, he will, we will be seeing him in that like Hulu show, that scripted show he's doing, which I'm excited about. Is that it? Are we done with our um, breaking news segment? I think we are. Please enjoy awesome. the rest of the episode where we talk about the Hungarian GP long before any of these, any of this silliness. Yes, back when everything was innocent and we had no clue what was coming for us in the next few days. Enjoy. I'd like to start off this podcast episode by formally apologizing 
um, to Michelle for absolutely cursing the Ferrari boys in my last prediction. In the last podcast episode, I said that there is no way in hell Ferrari is going to come back. And guess what? They didn't. To be honest, I still had hope. I had hope until maybe like lap 30 of the race. There was so much hope. And then what happened is what happens all the time. So. Until lap 30? There was 70 laps. That's like halfway through. Yeah. There is no one stronger than Ferrari fans. You all know how to um, how to believe in your drivers. It's a fussy. It's a fussy. <laughs> you all know how to really believe in your drivers. I, I, res- I, I respect you guys. So I guess we can introduce ourselves now. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Greta. Hi, I'm Michelle. And we are Race Week Recap, a Formula One podcast. Today, we're going to be going over the Hungarian GP. I Honestly, I don't even watch free practice. I'm sorry. I can tell you the sum up of free practice. Um, well, first off, McLaren was looking pretty racy. Specifically, Lando was looking pretty good out there. Well, after free practice three, uh, Latifi was on top with Albon. And that was a great surprise for everybody involved. I do believe that free practice FP3, it was raining. So that might have had a little bit of an influence to it. But my Twitter feed was blowing up with GoTeefy memes. And I appreciate that to no end. Twitter was having a field day. I saw this tweet um, that said basically they're going to celebrate Latifi getting P1 in FP3 as like him winning a race. And honestly, yeah. I'm here. Good for him. I'm here for Love that. to see it. No, yeah, I'm absolutely here for that. I'm celebrating all the small victories. Um, all right, then. That's a very quick summary of free practice. I set my alarm to, like, 6.40 um, if, like, qualifying starts at 7 a.m. And then I also try to update my my fantasy F1 team. And then sometimes I run out of time, and then I end up with, like, a really crappy team. To be honest... I uh, never get the predictions right anyway, so why do I even bother? I mean, it's okay. Um, did you did you have um, like Neopets growing up or Nintendogs growing up? Uh, I played Neopets a little bit. Okay, yeah. that's what my fantasy team is like. Like the forgotten Tamagotchis, the forgotten <laughs> Nintendogs. Um, that's how I feel about my fantasy team. Um, they're starving. They're, they're starving and they haven't been moved around in a very long time. And I can tell you right now, I have... Um, ferrari as my constructor on both of my teams and i have the ferrari boys on both of my teams so i don't even want to look i don't even want to see how far down those ranks i am that's literally what i did for this previous race and i was feeling so good about it you know i predicted a ferrari like ferrari one two and uh clearly that did not happen i'm so sorry ferrari was on the podium but it was only their champagne it was yeah which was really confusing. I didn't know, or I guess I forgot that we had like Ferrari branded champagne and it said Ferrari on every single podium position, like P1, P2, P3, and then the constructor. And I was like, this is kind of weird. They're always there in spirit. Ferrari is like, I think you mentioned it. They're like old money. They're the godfathers of Formula One and like motorsports in general. They're the establishment. They're not the underdogs they claim to be. They are Formula One. No, you're absolutely right. Um, qualifying. I was really enjoying Crofty's commentary. I didn't realize <laughs> that Lewis Hamilton has like such a good record in Hungary, and 
I feel like we just kind of saw that throughout the weekend, um, specifically in the race. Yeah, I was actually really sad to see Seb out in Q1. I know that Aston Martin has been like so slow. I think he also had like an incident in FP3. And so the garage was like working really hard to get his car ready. It was so sad because he ended up in P18. He was out in Q1. But he was only not even 700ths off of like the cutoff. Oh and then his radio was so sad. He was insane. so disappointed. My heart aches. Before we get off the Seb topic, do we want to touch on Seb's retirement? It was so dramatic because he finally made a social media account <laughs> after, you know, however how many years in Formula One and everyone was so excited. They were like, oh, he's going to post pictures of like him saving the bees. No. No, he literally joined Instagram just to announce his retirement. It was really sad. Um, actually, I saw a YouTube. Uh, it was like a clip that was surfacing. It was floating around the Twitter sphere. Um, it was of Seb, and he was talking about like, oh, after Formula One, I'll become an influencer. That's just very ironic to me. Not the foreshadowing. Yeah, it was really, really like awful foreshadowing. I'm mostly I'm gonna miss Seb's presence. Um, the way he was so outspoken about about the climate crisis, about Black Lives Matter, about LGBTQIA plus rights, like only compares to um, the outspokenness that is Lewis Hamilton having one less um, very vocal person on the track is going to be it's very it's a loss for formula one honestly yeah a hundred percent and i think that's like a lot of the reason why I, i like seb so much um so i'm sad to see him go at the same time i am excited yeah. about who's going to replace him i feel like you know it was kind of time to like say goodbye especially um after him leaving ferrari i feel like in a way like i don't know i kind of see that as like the beginning of the end really do you have any predictions guesses of who you would like to take that seat do you see any shuffling going around yeah i was seeing some mm-hmm. rumors about uh mick schumacher taking uh the aston martin seat i don't know what about you i saw that too um and so okay so my brain just straight goes into like okay what's the next move so if mick goes to aston who's gonna take that hoss seat is that gonna be um a new driver, one of uh, one of the Williams, the younger drivers. Um, what's like? What's the reshuffling going to be? You know, obviously it's going to be Nikita Mazepin. No, no, stop. Haha, uh-huh, just kidding. I hear his name, and my body instantly goes into like <laughs> fight or flight. A visceral reaction. I don't see him ever coming back to Formula One, especially with the ungraceful bow out that that he did like he could have gone out gently and definitely did not the scooby-doo villain um instagram video was like the last straw so good (laughs) it's there's just there's just too much like tension in regards to the way he exited and everything maybe piastri i see i wait okay hold on hold on hold on what if um danny ends up going into aston and then piastri goes into mclaren because the the streets have been talking the streets have been saying this is what's going to happen that would be really interesting i don't think it's gonna no happen. no yeah it seems like too unlikely to me mm-hmm. okay well i guess we'll just see 
what 2023 or probably before then we'll probably know who's gonna take that spot before the season ends i think i mean you kind of have to yeah definitely okay i think that's enough speculation i want to address more of the mess that was qualifying uh i thought it was really interesting how checo's lap time uh his first lap time in q2 got deleted like almost immediately, but then it got reinstated when he was on his second flying lap. Uh, but actually, it didn't even really end up mattering because both laps were too slow to even get him into Q3. Your tweet about Carlos getting pole? Yeah, so I was really excited to see who would um, qualify first because I feel like it was pretty contentious uh, going in after... The free practices, you know, both Ferraris, like Carlos and Charles, were looking really quick. And then we had Lando, who was like also up there. It was going to be a really, really good fight. And then obviously, Max, Max had like an engine issue. <laughs> and so he really couldn't compete um, to get pole. I feel like we saw through the entire qualifying session that Charles was just running like a little bit slow um, in general but especially slow compared to Carlos. Carlos was pretty much outpacing him the entire time. And so I think by the final like flying lap, I could kind of tell like Carlos was gonna be ahead. And when he like finally like crossed the line, he actually improved a little bit on his other, his previous time, which Charles didn't even match. And I was like literally about to tweet, you know, Carlos on pole. Super exciting, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was I was writing the tweet and then all of a sudden I see like George Russell like go up the the standings on my screen. I was like, wait, what? I literally was not even watching his lap to the to this day. I have not I have not seen that man qualify P1, but he did. And then I immediately had to like rewrite my tweet. I was like, oh my god, George Russell Pole literally did not see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I know um, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how like something would have to go incredibly wrong for George to um, be at the top of the standings, and I feel like I feel like a lot is going wrong, but it's really nobody's fault but Ferrari. Ferrari are like opening or allowing this to happen, and that's just it's gonna keep on happening. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry. <laughs> See, but they don't mess up in qualifying because you—it's so hard to mess up in qualifying. All you do is like make sure that. You know, the drivers have, like, the right amount of fuel, the right tire, and, I don't know, don't get, like, stuck in traffic. And it's mainly just, like, on the drivers to go fast. That's literally it. And they did. They were quick. But George Russell, the sneaky motherfucker, he, he, he pulled it off. The madman. I mean, from um, free practice three to qualifying we started off the race with a very interesting um driver lineup definitely it was pretty funny to watch the post-qualifying uh interviews and everything george was literally glowing with joy he was ecstatic he was posing for the picture i just think it's so funny toto the entire time he just looked like a proud father 
and it was just so nice to see. He was just like trying to like hide that little smile the entire time looking. I mean, okay, this season he has been very, very serious yeah. in the garages and in the paddock. Yeah, he doesn't want another. No, no, Mikey, that was so not right. So good. And like, I understand. I totally get it. But like seeing those like tiny little bits of like him smiling and just beaming with joy at his boys. It's so nice to see. I absolutely love it. I, I, above all, I am a Gunther and Toto stan. Above all. <laughs> that's, that, that's what I represent in this household. Um, all right, let's get to the race, yeah? Greta, I know you had some predictions about how the beginning of the race would go. Yes, I, okay, so I instantly thought George was going to be completely overtaken. Um, I was very pessimistic about this George P1 situation. Um, and I think it's because I just wanted, okay, okay, honestly, I just wanted chaos. Um, I came into this race wanting chaos. I wanted rain, which I did not get. So I was incredibly disappointed. And I wanted the beginning of the race to be a complete and utter shuffle and a mess. Um, not in like drivers crashing situation, but just like I wanted. Not like last year. No, no. I wanted it to be like, you know, that meme, that SpongeBob meme where he's just like shaking. That's what I wanted it to be like. That's what I was envisioning <laughs> in my head. Or that hamster meme. You know what I'm talking about. Um, okay. So at the start of the race, Carlos got a spicy little start. Okay. First of all, um, okay. I'm getting excited. So George takes off running and for the first couple laps, I swear I thought George was going to run away with it. And I was telling Michelle, like, I think it's done. I think George is like so far ahead. There's no coming back. Like, whatever. This is going to be a boring race. George wins. Whatever. Um, but then at the start, Carlos does this little move where he gets, he moves his Ferrari smack in front of Charles. And I was like, oh, Oh, it's going to be this type of race between the Ferrari boys. Oh, we're going to do that. That's how we're going to start. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. That was fun. Um, and that was really how the race kind of started for me between Carlos being like, mm, move, move, Chuck. I got this. But then that quickly changed. <laughs> they were tussling a little bit um, at the very early stages, but I think it kind of mellowed out um, by the end of like, the first lap oh yeah no it absolutely mellowed out um and then we were running with um george and first and then both ferraris um well not really a surprise to us all but we've, we've kind of forgot to touch on the fact that um both red bulls were starting from nine and ten right nine and ten yeah they were very just... poor qualifying for them are we going to see a slutty little max is max gonna be out here throwing elbows trying to get to the front and that's kind of what we ended up seeing but what else we got towards the beginning of the race yeah we saw max definitely trying to climb the field um i thought it was actually interesting how crafty and brendel were commenting on that they were saying that you know he was driving like someone who's won the world championship because he was making moves but he was also being a little careful mm -hmm. i think he was really not trying to get into any like too too crazy situations mm -hmm. definitely um and try to stay somewhat clear of like uh the drama probably flashbacks from last year last but, year's yeah the bowling incident yes <laughs> <laughs> the first lap was fun. Oh, Botas also had <laughs> issues on the first lap here. Uh, he ended up having to pit. I uh, really enjoyed uh, the little drama between the Alpines. Alonso complaining on the radio. Absolutely love that. I feel like this was actually kind of like a recurring thing throughout um, throughout the race. 
where Asman Okan was just kind of like ahead of Alonso or like kind of fighting him off and Alonso was getting so irritated. Alonso definitely gives like um like uncle or like disappointed father. <laughs> definitely uncle vibe. Right? He's like very disappointed father just being like you're not doing enough. You're not you're not defending yes. like a lion like I told you to. <laughs> and then of course because Aswan was uh fighting off Alonso, Danny Rick was actually able to overtake them both um, later in the race, which I thought was kind of funny. Screaming, and I was crying, like, I up. wish they would show uh, Fernando's radio right now because I'm sure it would be amazing. Screaming, crying, throwing up. Okay, this moment, this moment reminded me exactly of the end through goes Hamilton. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. That's all I could iconic. think about. I was like, as it was happening, the little tussle, Alonzo and O'Connor were just going back and forth. And then I just scream and through goes Danny. Because <laughs> I was just so excited for him. This was definitely like, this was like the one of the like racy moments of this Grand Prix, for me at least. We all know in general like that this track is a little bit harder to overtake. So I feel like most of the uh, kind of like race drama and like the intrigue really came from the strategy and i feel like there was so much there's so much to unpack with the different strategy calls and then we have um george russell so by this point in the race i believe russell had already kind of fallen back a little bit um he was no longer leading and he was getting a little scrappy there was a really good um there was some really good back and forth between him and Charles. You could really tell that Russell kind of wanted it. Um, but, I mean, Charles did have the faster car. So it's very surprising that he didn't, you know, beat out beat out George. Yeah, Charles was looking so quick. Within, I think, the first 10 laps, he was able to pass Carlos. And then he was able to pass George. And then... The unspeakable... Where do we even start? The unspeakable speakable happened. Are we ready? So it was actually going really well, to be honest. <laughs> so Leclerc, he started on the medium, and then he ended up pitting again on mediums. And then I learned something new today about Formula One. I did not know that you had to use two different tire compounds during the race. Like, I'm so surprised you didn't... That... that I... I I believe this is something new this season. Really? I'm pretty sure it's new. Again, this is a very technical podcast you're listening to, so just enjoy. <laughs> um, but I, I do believe it is something new this, this season, so you're not you're not going crazy. I mean, I only started watching really this season, so I had no idea. And it kind of seems like whoever was making the calls on Lakira's strategy didn't know either. Because they pitted him on hards so early. It was actually a little bit ridiculous because they pitted Charles before they pitted Carlos for the second time. But Carlos was on, he was on older tires. So I was like, why are they pitting him now? It made no sense to me. You know, it didn't really help that all during the beginning of the race and all during qualifying, we had um, the commentators and literally everybody was just talking about how shitty the hard tires were for this track and how they just did, did not work. Um, I do remember during, I think it was P2, Alonzo was out there doing laps 
on the hard tires and everybody was just kind of like this isn't going to be the it was also a little bit rainy but it was just like it's not going to be the way to go hard tires are just not going to be it. it's going to be a medium soft maybe wet um but whenever he pitted i just i i knew it was over i'm so sorry but i just knew it was over it's like was for <laughs> was for even paying attention no because after alonso got on the hard tire he got overtaken by Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. And that slow-ass Aston Martin. Yeah. Like... It was really bad. For that to happen, that hard tire, like, it has to be shit. Oh, my gosh. And then... Can they not see that? It, the strategy was just completely... It was self-sabotage 101 from Ferrari. Um, and then after, we have Charles pitted in his brand new hard tires. Um, Charles's mic turns on. And what does he say? These tires are shit. Yeah, he was like, fuck, these tires are shit. Yeah. <laughs> they bleeped it out, but I could tell. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Like, and then every, the commentators, we were all just shaking our heads, confused. Post-race interviews, post-race commentary. Everyone's still confused as to what, what was wrong with the strategy, like what was up with the strategy. To that, all I have to say is that Mattia Bonotto has got to go. It's time to fire Mattia Bonotto. He has absolutely got to go. I mean, listen, he is by far one of the most iconic people in formula one but we do have to remember that he kind of went up in the ranks at ferrari right so he was he's a really good engineer and he's a really good mechanic he's a scientist through and through this does not make him a good strategist this does not make him someone who can manage in situations of high pressure and crises a lot of what's going on with ferrari reminds me a lot of what goes on in industry when you put scientists in charge of managing people it never it usually never pans out you need to be quick on your feet you need to be able to make calls and pivot and be very agile as a team and i feel like ferrari is not an agile team and that is what's going to rip apart their chances well it is it has ripped apart their chances at winning this season there's literally no more excuses um post interview but Noto's over here talking about the car and the just the car didn't have pace but we saw the race we've watched the same race you did clearly the car had pace Charles was flying and you still managed to fumble the bag. Yeah, that was something interesting, though, because both the Ferraris were so quick uh, in the beginning. But then Charles was on the radio kind of near the end of the race. And he was like, is there something wrong with the car? Right? Stop. (laughs) And where am am I imagining that? No, I think you were right. I mean, okay, like, honestly, all these Charles calls, all these Charles radios are just, like, blending into my memory. And I can't just, when it comes to, like, Charles races and the way that Ferrari has fucked up, I can't distinguish race from race anymore. (laughs) Because it happens every single week. It happens every single race. I can't, like, I'm like, oh, was this the one where he screamed? Or was the last one the one where he screamed? Or was this the one where Ferrari fucked up? Or was the last one? I literally, I saw a tweet, um, somebody like, quick maths, um, apparently Ferrari has lost 90 points due to strategy. And that's literally the difference. After this race, uh, Max Verstappen is leading the championship <laughs> over Charles Leclerc by 80 points. Honestly, I mean, okay, the races and the whole drama is a lot more fun when there are a couple contenders, you know, for the championship. When there's a couple contenders up there, 
Mm-hmm. And and like this is literally no shade against Max because he's absolutely doing like he's just doing what needs to be done. Red Bull is doing what needs to be done to win and they're not letting it slip through their fingers the same way that that same way that Ferrari is. I'm sorry. I went on a full rant just there. <laughs> but you're so right and and you should say it. Uh, Red Bull is literally such a well-oiled machine. We were trying to prep the notes for the podcast and I saw that the the four fastest pit stops from this race were all Red Bull. Yeah, because Red Bull, (sighs) Red Bull just, they do what needs to be done. They go in, they fuck shit up, and then they leave, and either they absolutely killed it or they DNF'd. It's one or the other. Yeah, but they don't DNF very often. (laughs) No, hardly ever. Um, I always think back, I think I sent you this video like a thousand times. It's a video on YouTube, and it's, um, I forgot what race it is, but, um, Max crashes his car during qualifying. And no, like he crashes his crashes his car like before the race, before the actual race starts. And Red Bull, like the engineers, have like only a handful of minutes before before the national anthem goes on and race starts. And they manage to put the entire car back together, like fix the entire front wing. Red Bull is a well-oiled machine. And they're often painted as like the bad guys of Formula One. <laughs> but they the thing is like they get they get they keep their heads down and and they just they race they're great and i mean honestly at the end of the day formula one is like the nerdiest sport on the face of the earth like half the time we're talking about what tire composition are we using and (laughs) making sure we have the best geometric angles to go the fastest possible um it's the nerdiest sport um and red bull i guess just has the biggest nerds um and then i would love to give a special nod to an iconic strategist, Hannah. Hannah at Red Bull knows what she's doing. Hannah is absolutely iconic. Iconic. What a legend. Oh, honestly. Red Bull strategy is literally why they won this race. Like, hands down. Absolutely. There's just nothing, there's nothing that you can say about it. It was just perfect. They, they picked the right tire. They did it at the right time. It was just mm, chef's kiss. Because it's just, it was such tiny margins in this race. And it was so crucial for Red Bull to uh, kind of get the undercut with Verstappen. And that's how they were able to get past Ferraris and get past George Russell. Literally, like, after Charles got on the hard and then Verstappen was coming up behind on medium, Max literally spun. And then I think on that same lap, he was still able to overtake Charles. I was like, come on now. Come on. That was insane. The fact that Max spun and his tires were still in good enough condition that he was able to keep on going and have like solid pace afterwards is just absolutely out of this world. Like that just goes to show how great of like a strategist they are because i mean honestly the ferrari is faster just period it should be able to easily overtake the red bull but because of that it all comes down to strategy and red bull knows this so they put hannah on the pit wall and she freaking kills it that queen (laughs) oh i'm obsessed see that's the thing though like red bull was not even the fastest if you look at fp1 and fp2 or even um, Q1 and Q2, you know, Max was not running in first. Like, Rumble did not have the fastest car this weekend. Max Verstappen literally started P10, and he won the race. 
like that i mean obviously is due to him being an absolute like amazing driver and, and it's due to like the strategy and it's due to the super quick pit stops honestly it's just it's it's everything oh everything God. the pit stops <laughs> the pit stops Ooh. everything was good <laughs> those are so good okay so about what you're talking about um speed so max actually had the six fastest lap first was lewis charles sergio carlos joe and then max can you believe it <laughs> and alfa romeo had a faster lap than than max what, what do we have next? I honestly really enjoyed the fighting between George and Charles um, towards the beginning of the race. Um, yeah, definitely. I got super excited. <laughs> this happened, I think, like this, like a minute after you messaged saying that, like, <laughs> the race is over. George is going to win. I was like, what, what oh are you God, talking yeah. about? Are you asleep? <laughs> because Charles literally got within DRS zone of George and then they were fighting and it was so fun to watch. I think I like paused the um stream. I was trying to get a photo. Oh, okay. That must um, have I been was, it. I w- yeah, I was trying to get a photo of um Ricardo overtaking um both Alpines and then I go back to live and I was like what what's going on? Yeah. I was getting like whiplash during this race. George Russell got his elbows out. He made that car like 10 feet wide. It was really fun to see. Yeah. I also did not really think that George was going to win the race. I was thinking about my prediction from last week, which was that it was mm-hmm. going to be Charles and Carlos for Ferrari 1 2, and then Verstappen in P3. And to be honest, until lap 30, I was like, wow, I'm so good at this. Like, <laughs> why, why did I so accurately predict? Because I could tell, like, Verstappen was going to come up. Um, and the Ferraris were, like, running so good. And then it all just, like, came crashing down. <laughs> but you know what? Good job, Max. <laughs> what a winner. That's a fussy. That's a fussy. How do you say it? I can't even remember. Um the ferrari fans they always fail to account for um ferrari being their biggest haters and self-sabotaging queens that they are i'm yeah it's just i have no hope anymore at the beginning of this podcast journey i said that ferrari is just so iconic and they are just like everyone's favorite i feel like literally whether you're a ferrari fan or not you are not a ferrari fan right now yeah i think every ferrari fan hates ferrari right now i mean how could you not honestly they're just it's it's it feels like it's so simple and they're just tossing like tossing the championship away but the thing Uh, is is that it's not just one thing it's really like so many different things it's strategy it's the incredibly slow stops for Carlos. Reliability. If it gets too hot, a Ferrari is going to blow up. Even if it's not too hot, the Ferrari is still going to blow up. So It's really bad. Just the whole team. We need a team overhaul. I feel like Ferrari needs a solid project manager to get in there and really shake things up. Ferrari, if you're interested in hiring a project manager, um, you can reach out to me. I am available. <laughs> yes, hire Greta, but then also hire different people to <laughs> to change the freaking tires or something train them better oh my gosh Spy on Red Bull. yeah I, I can't i can't change the tires but i can i can project manage the hell out of your 
organization, but they only hire Italians. So <laughs> there goes my application out the window. Um, there was something else that, oh, okay. I did want to touch on um, towards the end of the race, Mattia just walking out. Yes, that, I love that they had like the Mari camera on there. I mean, first of all, let's address that the outfit he was wearing, the jacket, absolute drippiest drip in the face of the earth. So freaking amazing. But also, what kind of a captain leaves a sinking a sinking ship? I don't know. Where was he maybe, going? Maybe the bathroom. Was he Was he just stepping out to the bathroom? He needed a bathroom break. He needed to go cry, I think <laughs> is what he needed. Because this was right after the call. Like You know what he did, actually, though? He updated his LinkedIn. Stop. Because he needs a new job. <laughs> he, he's on the job hunt. LinkedIn recruiters look out for Mattia Bonotto. We love the drama here, which is why I even got into Formula One. So what else do we have? Oh, do you want to touch on Lewis Hamilton? Oh, yes. Sir Lewis Hamilton. He is that driver at Budapest. <laughs> As Crafty said, um, I love that. I love that quote. It's just. It, it sums it up. It really does. He was so quick. <laughs> like, I don't even understand. Um, I guess, I think the car, the Mercedes car, just performed really well on this track when it had the time to warm up. So that's why we saw George um, qualifying P1. And then that's why we saw Lewis Hamilton literally like speeding through the track. Um, that was so fun to see um him coming up on carlos and then on george he was able to overtake them both and then i thought it was really funny in the post-race interviews that he said he was wishing for uh, a few more laps and like the rain to come so that there would be like a safety car and then he could try to make a move on max i thought that was really I, I don't know. I just love that. It was it was so just so good seeing Lewis get like a little glint in his eye again. Was just mm, chef's kiss, amazing. I love seeing Lewis on the podium. I'm just I'm I'm ready for that first place. I'm ready for him to be holding up the giant trophy so he can like truly celebrate that win. Absolutely. He's ready too. He's like talking about it on Instagram. He's like, we're getting closer. I can feel it. I'm like, I, I love optimism. It's so good. It's so good. I'm full on this Lewis train. I want to see him just like get up there and absolutely just demolish. It's so good. Oh. So good. So good. Um, And then, okay, so it it did start to rain, but like last lap, last two laps. Yeah. uh, I feel like this like happens a lot where everyone Mm -hmm. hypes up the rain in the days leading up to the Grand Prix. And Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of wondering why. I'm like, do you really have the technology to like predict what the weather is going to be like? in the specific two hours of the race (laughs) on the racetrack um like what four days out like why are we talking about this and you know what i i'm correct to doubt that because predicting the weather is very hard and you know what the guy i don't know which team he was on the guy who was like staring at like the rain graph you know what he was doing yes. you know what he was doing with his left hand he had his left hand like out to the side so that it would oh, see I saw that. if like it was raining 
on his hand. I was it like, was, this is literally, you have so much technology. You have so much technology in front of you. And this is the best method you have for determining how much it's raining. I was like, this is a joke. Insane. The like Doppler reading, it was absolutely insane. Um, and it got down to like, it'll, it'll start to sprinkle in 30 minutes. I was like, in 30 minutes? It's absolutely, it's maddening how much technology and how much money goes into this sport. Yeah, the, the rain ended up not being a factor pretty much whatsoever. This race, I think in general, the race ended up being pretty clean. I was actually kind of mm-hmm. amazed that everyone was still running by like the halfway mark. And then and we only had one DNF, like Botas towards the end. I think he got damaged from like the first lap. Um, so all in all, pretty clean race just ferrari fumbling the bag and max being opportunistic and taking that win okay so uh, what was radio of the day mm. i don't were there any really good ones i feel Honestly, like charles kind of had his radio off for a lot of it which makes me feel bad because we all we all know his radio from last week was just so like that was not meant for our ears right like he didn't know like the radio was on no Um, yeah and so i actually feel like super bad about that um so i wonder if that's why we did not get as much radio from him today yeah, no, you're absolutely right in that one that wasn't for us. Um, he didn't know his radio was on. Um, he kind of, I think he touched on it afterwards saying that it was like a private moment for him to just like decompress. Um, but we all heard it, unfortunately. Um, and two, you're right. His radio was off for most of the race and everybody else was sort of quiet. Yeah, I didn't hear too much radio. Uh, I think Radio of the day for me would be Alonso complaining about Ocon. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Um, radio of the day for me would be um, oh, um, Danny Rick celebrating after passing Alonso and Ocon. Oh, really? I think yeah. I missed that radio. It was really sweet. You could tell he was just like excited to be back in there. It was like it went, it, went, it was a really great overtake. So it was just it was like yes, you know, it was like a sweet sweet victory. Um, oh, and then there was one minor Leclerc radio um, where he asks um, he asks his engineer, "Is Carlos going quicker?" And all I could think about was, "Oh no, here we go, team orders." Except Ferrari is so bad with team orders. They they don't. That's the thing. They don't when they should, and then they do when they shouldn't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're just... Mm. And then, like, when they do team orders, they're just scrapping with each other, and it's like, you guys, the goal is up there. And, yeah. Okay. And then, okay. all right, so that was our radio of the day, and next we have our... Overtake of the day. Overtake of the day. Okay, well, I mean, you know mine. It's going to be Ricardo. Okay. Yeah, I love that. He was he was there, you know? He was ready. Um, yeah, he was, he was amazing. Think... He took two and one. It was great. What was the overtake of the day? Honestly, there was a lot of on-track overtakes. Um, I feel like everything was just pit strategy. But I really enjoyed... Um, I think Charles overtaking George. That okay. That was a lot of fun. Um, 
I feel like also Lewis did so much great passing, mm-hmm. but I feel like there was not a huge amount of drama on each one because it was just going to happen. Like he was going so quick. Yeah, I mean there was there was a few like like we touched on a bit. There was a few like spicy racy moments, but everything else was just kind of settled with strategy. Do you want to mention the cooldown room? I think I just saw a meme about it where. You know how they are always like replaying the important moments from mm-hmm. the race, and they mm-hmm. show like Charles going super slow on <laughs> the hard tires. And I just saw a meme where it was like, "Oh, Charles is going really slow." Everyone laughs. So what actually was mentioned was um, Lewis kind of questioned like, "Oh, what like why was he going so slow or something like that?" And then both Max and George both go he was on hards and then all three of them laugh hello it's like that's funny not like funny haha funny incredibly upsetting <laughs> i i, I, just, I sorry i just love that tiktok audio it's it's like no it's best. totally fine it is absolutely incredibly upsetting cries in ferrari cries in i don't know pasta i don't know it's just bad Okay, and I think that is everything for this week's Race Week Recap. Yeah. Awesome. So as you all probably know, um, next three weeks, we are going on summer break. So that means that no drivers and all garages are closed. So in order to celebrate summer camp, we think um, in order to celebrate summer break we think there's no better place to do it than summer camp um we actually have three very special summer break episodes coming out in the next three weeks to keep you all entertained while the races are gone um now these episodes are gonna have very little to do about any technical talk when it comes to the races and it's all going to be just a lot more fun so the first of the three episodes in the series is going to be a taylor swift and the grid which michelle and i we have put a very a very like large amount of time into some might Um, say too much time yeah i thought we had finalized our um driver to taylor swift song lineup a while ago but uh two days ago you messaged me telling me that there's an update yeah it's (laughs) the material is just there um and then the following week it's going to be fandoms fangirls and f1 so in this podcast we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be um well fangirls of f1 and we're also going to dive a little bit into the wags which is like one of our favorite topics that we love to discuss in our downtime um this is pretty much going to be like our dissertation and then the last of um the last episode in this summer break summer camp series is summer break shenanigans and this is what we're going to do just a recap of all of all the things that happened during summer break um aka a countdown of how many thirst traps pierre posted exactly yeah just a countdown of how many thirst traps pierre posted and how many thirst traps also lewis posted because we know that's going to happen <laughs> it's hot boy summer it is absolutely it is absolutely hot boy summer so that's everything for us this week all right so michelle where can they find us you can find us 
uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok at Race Week Recap. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star review. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. Tell us what you think. Tell us what we should talk about next. We are literally open to any and all suggestions. All right, everyone. Have a good rest of your week, and we will see you. Well, you will hear from us next week with one of our special summer episodes. Bye. Bye.